for the work that we would be doing along the border of Thailand and Myanmar. Uh, but the little bit difference that's going on and, and why uh, it's important that we do this is because um, it's most likely uh, we're going back. And so um, Colwyn has, I can't get into the country. It's one of those weird things that I'm actually the wrong color for where I would need to go. Um, if I go and get some sun tanning for a while, and, and uh, one soldier said to me, and I changed, got some of those contact lenses and, and uh, you know, changed the color of my eyes and that and changed the color of my hair and, and this little thing, maybe I could sneak around in that, but uh, I will most likely hold the fort down in our other outreach ministry in Thailand, uh, which is right across the border from Myanmar, and we do have Ketchen churches and Ketchen people there, but we have sensed in our heart that the uh, Lord willing, Colwyn will go back in and uh, do some. Uh, we've got opportunities for evangelism, outreach, printing of materials, and that's what we need the finances for, is to continue that on. And so uh, to bring, uh, we believe that, and I believe very strongly, the only way to break the yoke of the military and also, as I put in the bulletin, the yoke of bondage on on the country itself for thousands of years. They've been under the bondage of Buddhism. And I believe the only way to break that uh, is through the anointed power of the Holy Spirit. There is no other way. Uh, and we've attempted to try it, not we as personally, but a lot of ministries have attempted to try to do it the other way, and it's been unsuccessful. Now, many of the mountain people, which Cohen is part of, she is, those people, uh, the missionaries uh, went in, and because they were animist, they turned quickly. Uh, I say quickly, over the last hundred years, uh, several million of them have become Christians. But there's still 96% of the country, which is uh, 60 million-ish or so, are still Buddhists. And they're all in that area. And the, the church, the gospel, and I want to say this carefully because I'm not so sure if I can blame the church or the gospel. It maybe has to kind of point at ourselves personally when I talk about ourselves as a church because We've gone in to try to use good works and try to use all kinds of get, uh, things that would hopefully uh, wear them down and they would give their lives to Christ. But I believe that the only thing that's really going to cause a change in these uh, the Asian rim all the way from Japan, China, all the way around uh, to India is the outpouring and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, both in our lives here you know, we can't have revival without the power of the Holy Spirit. We can talk about it and pray about it all day long, but if we aren't going to allow the Holy Spirit to inspire us first, it isn't going to happen. It's nice. It's, it's wonderful sermons. We can, we can preach about it all the time, but until, until the power of the Holy Spirit changes me first, it's not going to really affect and, and we're praying a lot about that. A lot of you know we have an office. We do not only oversee missions in, in multiple countries now around the world, but we're also doing uh, missions right here in uh, Steinbach. We're in the, off, we're in the Clear Spring uh, Center. We're reaching out. 
And during the Christmas, uh, we gave out. Some of you got them in the mail, some of you didn't. Some of you wondered if it was Jehovah Witnesses or Mormons. Uh, we get all kinds of things. Well, you know, Christians never give anything away free, so you've got to be a Jehovah Witness. I said, well, we're breaking tradition. We're going to give something away free. Well, you didn't respond to that very well, but that's what people come and tell me. So as soon as they see something free, it's got to be the cult. No, it happens to be the Christians. <laughs> you know what I mean? And praise God, we were able to give out, I think it was 19,500 of them from um, Bozier all the way down to the Ontario border from Highway 75 to um, uh, the Ontario border. And uh, we need to pray about that. that those seeds will break. I, I'm going after the southeast corner. I'm tired of all the religiousity. Maybe I've been around this place too long. I don't know. I didn't really blend in well, and they told me that I don't blend in well, even though they changed my name to Humphreysen to make me more, more Germanish or whatever it was that I was supposed to be. But I, I'm getting more ornery as I get older, I guess. I, I'm, not, I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of playing religion. And so God has laid on our heart just to bomb every way we can with the gospel. And so that was one way. And then at the, at the office, we gave out another couple thousand little booklets. And then in the newspaper, we, uh, it's a crazy thing. We have favor with the mall and we have favor with the newspaper. It's just a, an unusual thing. And uh, in talking with the editor, you know, these tracks I showed you the last time I was here, and we're going to talk a little bit about one today. They're now putting them in the newspaper. And I went to the editor. I said, you know, you're going to get letters to the editor that are just going to tear you up and down because they do it to me. You know, like, who made you God today? Why are you, you know, uh, one guy said to me, I went and got counseling for uh, six months or six years, he said, and I finally got over the fear of hell and now you brought it all back to me. And now I'm going to have to deal with it. I, I said, you know, I, it wasn't my fault. I'm just telling you what the book said. But it's interesting, I, I, in talking to the, the, the general manager there, he said, no, he says, Steinbeck needs this. <laughs> so uh, pray for that, because we put one in already. There's another one hopefully coming out. It, it's not, we don't get it free, but we get it for a good price. And we're just going to, you know, we used to call ourselves the Bible Belt. Uh, a lot of people said that that was past, historically past. So pray for all these seeds. We're going to keep, while we're here, we're going to keep pounding. We got about eight volunteers at the office that, are, that we're praying with people, laying. It's interesting that the, the mall, we're not allowed to go up and, and buttonhole you in the mall. Okay? But as soon as we can pray, and this has been the miracle, we can pray that if you come to our desk or look at our desk or even make a gesture towards our desk, now you're fair game. And they do. We, every morning our team gets together and just say, oh, God, bring him right here. And they wander around and they look around and, you know, they come around and they say, what are you guys? Well, we just hand out free books. And they come to the thing and then we, give them, we tell them about Jesus and hand them out materials. And pretty hard evangelism, eh, when they come to you all the time, day in and day out. They just keep coming. And they say, are you okay? And the other unique thing in the mall is that as soon as they have a prayer that they wanted to pray, that is fair game anywhere in the mall. 
So sometimes we all have in the, in the middle of, all, of the hallways, well, four or five people gathered around laying hands on each other and praying. Because we didn't buttonhole them. God just brought them. And if he brings them, then we're allowed to pray for them. Isn't that amazing? So pray for us. And so as a mission report, just before I get into the sermon, I wanted just to pick on Chuck. I'm glad he's back, back in here now. Because, you know, you can't have Chuck. He made all this effort to come out in a cold day. And now I want to pick on him a little bit. But, Chuck, I remember, turn your hearing aid up a little bit, okay? <laughs> I remember Chuck got, got a hold of what water baptism was all about by immersion. And uh, he, in his later years, he all of a sudden went to the leadership and said, I need to get baptized. And the thing that stood out to me, and it's still there, isn't it, the tank? Or did you guys move it? <laughs> Well, somewhere in here. But the funny part is when he came up, I'm sorry, it wasn't funny, but it looked, he took out his hearing aids and laid them down beside the, the baptism because he didn't want to get his hearing aids baptized. And I'm thinking, you know, some of us who keep thinking, well, I don't need to be baptized, I don't need to be baptized, go talk to him after the service. Because it's time to get baptized. It's time to make a confession. We're going to talk about all that in the message. But I just wanted to bless you. I always think about that when I come in the church. When you were here getting baptized, your testimony. And there was others that day. But praise God how the Holy Spirit moves and speaks into people's lives. And so today, as we get into the Word of God, uh, we want to... Uh, take some time, and it's going to take time, and I understand that we don't have a lot of it, but we'll, we'll do our best here, is that we're going to try to talk about the importance of a pure understanding, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 10, and we're not going to be able to read all verses 1 to 48. No, we're going to wait until a little bit later on, Cohen. Um, because we're going to hand you out another track that talks about pure and understanding. You say, well, this is crazy. Well, I, I, you know, I've been doing this because I just felt it's important that we understand what it is that we're asking you to give away. And so this pure understanding track, you see a soldier on the front, and that's Cornelius. Our, our picture of Cornelius is the soldier on the front because we were told in Acts chapter 11, or chapter 10, I should say, that uh, Cornelius was a uh, Roman uh, soldier, official, and that he was overseeing the Italian regiment, so he would have been a Gentile. But as we go in to look at him and talk about missions, I think there is a, there is a need, when we use the word understanding, to, to get a hold of the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding about what God is trying to share through the life of Cornelius, through the life of Peter and others. And what I'm going to do is just, I know I'm going to go out of the camera range here for a sec. I don't know if these are locked in. Oh, whatever, I'll take all three. I want three of them anyway. Oop. Okay, sorry, destructive guy here. Because I want to I wanna bring these chairs over. I thought about, you know, how illustration helps um, people to understand but the reason why I'm bringing three chairs like this, because by the time we get to the end of the message, you're actually sitting on one of these chairs. And you're going to have to determine which chair is the right chair and which chair is the wrong chair. Because you might find out that you're actually sitting on the wrong chair. Only one of them leads to eternal life in Jesus Christ. 
So you have a one in three chance to get it. Now, it gets really complicated, doesn't it? But that's what it's all about. And so when we look at Cornelius, we see that Cornelius was a unique person. If you look at verses, uh, the life of Cornelius, you will see that he, um, from verses 1 to 8, he was God-fearing. He was a man who was generous in giving. And he was a man of prayer. Okay? That all sounds good, isn't it? Anyone want to say amen? I mean, look at this. God-fearing, generous and giving. Bring a few more of those to the church, to Project Lambs, whatever. And a man of prayer. But the problem with that is that he wasn't a believer. And so what happens here is when we begin to look at the life of, of Cornelius, what begins to come forth that Cornelius was really a self-righteous person. He did everything in his own self, in his own righteousness. And we're going to see this. And it's interesting that as we learn about Cornelius, we see that, you know, because Cornelius done all these things, God, you know, respects him for the good deeds that he does. Just like that's why people in the world can, can give away things and, and do things, and God blesses them. Do you know what I'm saying? I know a lot of non-Christian businessmen, but carry out Christian principles, and God still, because it's a Christian principle, God still blesses, right? But that doesn't mean that they have salvation. That just means that they're following, they're doing some of the principles of the Bible that automatically bring about blessing. And this is what Cornelius was doing. He was doing some of the principles of the Scriptures, and while he's doing this, you know, he, he, him and his household, we see that they're all on board with this. They're all excited about it and are thankful for it, but God needed to tell him something. All of a sudden, there was going to be a mission trip by an angel who was going to show up and say, well, Cornelius, it's nice, but you need to do something. What you're doing is good, but it isn't the total understanding that you need to have. Because right now, you, what you're doing is self-righteousness, and it doesn't lead to eternal life in Jesus Christ. And imagine Cornelius, first he would have been shocked as a Gentile that an angel showed up to him and talked to him, right? Hi, I'm an angel. I come from the Lord. Uh, yes, God knows what you're doing. Grateful for it, thankful for it, and everything else. But you better call uh, Peter over so-and-so place because he needs to come and give you some instruction about what the real way is. Isn't that amazing? And I got thinking about this, but why didn't the angel just tell him? You know, we're always praying, why doesn't, the, why doesn't God just do some of these things? Well, here we see that God says, no, I'm going to use people. And that's the thing that we got to grasp. God uses people. And he wants to use us. Why do we got to go to Myanmar? Why do we got to go, like Paul says, why do we got to go do these things? But unless we go and proclaim and preach, nothing happens. And so here was a guy of self-righteousness. He's doing all the right things. And then he comes along and the angel speaks to him and says, hey, not only that, he gives them direction. This is the amazing thing. And I'm thinking about this. God, you went to all this effort to give directions. Why don't you just touch them yourself? No, because I have chosen to use people to go out and to bring the gospel. And this is the way I've chosen to do it. 
And it's not going to be done through self-righteousness. It's not going to be doing through it, oh, my own strength and all those kinds of things. It's going to be done according to my way. So meanwhile, he said, okay, I'm going to go and get two of my servants and one of my my." you know, honor guard, the one who would probably protect him, I'm going to send him over to Joppa, and uh, we're going to go get Peter. So then the scene changed, and meanwhile, we got Peter. He's up on the roof, you know. uh, He's like any particular man. He's probably waiting for someone to make his meal for him. Because the Bible says that while he was waiting for his meal, he went into a trance. That's typical men, right? You know, while we're waiting for supper, we fall asleep in our recliner or whatever it is. Women, this is your chance to say amen. (laughs) You know, but the Bible, I don't think it was quite like that. Because when guys, you know, my wife tells me when I fall asleep in the recliner, I'm snoring. I'm not in a trance. Uh, I'm in the snoring stage. And Peter's there. And you know, Peter, he, he's got to be the hardest-headed person because everything has to happen to him in threes. Right? Three times he denies Jesus Christ or runs away and denies him. And then three times Jesus had to speak to him about going and feeding the sheep. And now three times, like, I don't know about you, but if God shows up and is lowering a, a sheet down in front of you, you don't turn back to say to God and say, well, that was nice, but, you know, and what, did Paul, what does Peter do? Oh, Lord, you know, I'm a Jew, and I've been a Jew, 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 and I have never touched any of those things. And God says again, Peter, you didn't get the picture. And he lowers it again to him. And he says it all over again. And Peter still doesn't get it. And he lowers it. And he's thinking, like, what's going on with this sheet coming down from heaven and all these things on it? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. Cornelius was self-righteous. Peter was law-righteous. His whole righteousness was based on the law. We're going to see it, you know, And there's a lot of people. We have a lot of these two kinds of people all around, I will say Steinbeck very carefully, and surrounding areas. They either are self-righteous, oh, we are right people, we don't drink, party, we don't do anything. You know, we are self-righteous. You don't don't know any of them, right? Or we're law-righteous. Oh, talk about law-righteous. We grow law-righteous churches. It has really got quiet. You know, is it that cold out there this morning? You know, where we have all the rules and regulations, and we have this is what you should wear, and this is what you should do, and we bring it from other countries, and everybody wears all these unique clothing, and they drive cars with this way, and they do. We, have you not seen any of this stuff? Maybe you spend an hour or two with me out in the mall, I'll introduce you to a whole bunch of self, or, uh, law-righteous people. Do we need to be praying for this area? Oh, you're just picking on one group. Oh, okay, let's go. I probably will get in trouble, but let's look at some of the mainline denominations then. Do you know what I'm talking about there? I've been careful because I'm on the, on the thing meeting this morning. But you know the mainline, the ones that have been around for 1,000 or 2,000 years? How's that? Does that get you closer? And they have their stacks of books You know, they have their, I will use one of their words, dogma, you know. And uh, thus saith the Lord, it has to happen through us and through this, you know. And upon this this rock, this church has been built. How am you doing? You getting any information yet? I don't want to get sued later. 
but maybe I will. So we have this whole idea. And so Peter, he's seeing this. Peter has this vision, and it's going up and down. And at verse 19, it says, Meanwhile, as Peter was, was puzzled over this vision, the Holy Spirit now comes in and says, Peter, come on. He says, uh, you know, there's three men who have come and are looking for you. Get up. Notice the thing is, I love this. I underline it in my Bible. Get up and go down. Well, why don't they come up? I'm the spiritual one. Why do I have to do it? Peter, get up and go down. Now, can you imagine when he went down the stairs and he goes into the, uh, to without hesitation, and God has to say to him, don't worry, for I have sent him. Why would there be worrying? You'd be worried, too, if two Gentiles and a soldier showed up at your front door. Wouldn't you? Hi. I represent Cornelius. Don't worry about the sword or the spear I'm carrying. We're just kind of coming along. And uh, these other two buddies are servants, you know, that work for Cornelius. And by the way, uh, Cornelius uh, wants you to come to his house. How would you feel? And not only that, they're Gentiles. You know, they're gent- and, and all of a sudden, something amazing happened. Peter turns around and says, well, this has got to be of the Lord. And he invites them in the house to stay overnight. He just polluted that entire household, according to the Jewish law. Just like, as soon as you open the date, come on in and sit down and have something to eat with us. You know? He just, he just went on and broke the law of the laws. So the next day, the Bible tells us, they stayed over the night. The next day, so we got Cornelius who's waiting back back home with, with self-righteousness. Paul's trying to still, or Peter's still trying to figure out law righteousness. Figured, well, I'm in trouble now. You know, he's probably thinking, Jesus said, I'm the head of the church. What am I doing? No, you know, this is going to be bad. And he lets them stay overnight. And then it takes them a whole day. But Peter's smart. Why? Because he takes six other guys with him. He knew already he was in trouble, even talking to a Gentile. So he brings six other along. It's just, isn't that so? You know, we bring a committee along with us because nobody wants to get caught. So he brings a committee along, and they all come along. And then we have this interesting thing. So now we not only have Cornelius' vision, we have Peter's vision, and now we're going to have how these two visions come together in, in Acts chapter 10, verses 24 to 43. And as the visions are coming together, there's some things I want to point out. Because one of the things that I think are important, when, when Peter arrives at that Cornelius' house, there was a deep hunger for, the, for an understanding. Not only that, that Cornelius, like Cornelius, he knew the angel talked to him, something's up, something's coming down the pipes. Okay? So he was a smart guy. He goes and invites all his friends and neighbors and relatives and says, you've got to come over. Peter's coming, Peter's coming. And probably his relatives say, no, Peter's not coming. He's a Jew. He won't come, he won't come, he won't come. And, and Cornelius says, yeah, he'll come, he'll come. You know what I mean? And so they're all waiting in the house. And what are they waiting for? Because they're hungry, because Cornelius knows now that there's more than just self-righteousness. There's something more. And, and Peter is beginning to realize there's something more than law righteousness, right? And so we have these two come together because a, a hunger of wanting more. 
Peter needed to understand the plan of God. Peter needed to see. We see here, uh, Peter even gives an account of this in verse 35, where he says, he says, in, in every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news of the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord. So Peter, lights are coming on. He says, I'm thinking I'm getting this. I'm, I'm actually figuring out what this gospel is all about. It's a gospel of peace. It's a gospel that forgives sin. It's a gospel that's totally different than self-righteousness and law-righteousness. Matter of fact, the uniqueness about this gospel, and he goes on in verse 43, and, and we just keep reading about this. Uh, he, he, uh, there's the testimonies that are given to each other. Each other. They're bearing witness and, uh, and he begins to preach, and it says, verse 43, and it says, and he is the one of all the prophets who testify, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. So he goes, he somehow gets out of it, and now he's over here beside this chair. He said, you know, I, now I'm beginning to understand that there's total forgiveness in his name. And what is he getting? He's getting what we call grace righteousness. I think Peter had some of that in his early life, self-righteousness, and then he had a whole lot of law righteous. He got real religious quick under Jesus. But now Jesus is saying, Peter, I'm not finished with you. And I love it when Peter's not finished or when the Lord's not finished with us. He keeps working on us because he wants to get us out of here. I believe. And I will go on. I believe that Steinbach is stuck here, here, and needs to get over to here. I believe the whole southeast corner is stuck here, here, and needs to get over here. How am I doing? Is this a good message for Mission Sunday? No, no, put the chair farther away. We're not quite there yet. No. God was going to bring it together and bring it closer. And the Peter and Cornelius were going to talk and say, something's up. What's happening with you, Cornelius? Well, I had this vision, and I saw this was happening. What happened to you, Peter? Because it said they had a little discussion before they got together to their bigger gang. Because what was going to happen now when they got to the bigger gang, they moved into the, to the third area, which I believe is grace righteousness. And I want to read this part. Because I've experienced this personally many times over. It says, even as Peter, notice, even as Peter was saying, he was talking, he's telling him, he's given the good news, he's telling him about the good news. But the Holy Spirit's going to show up and say, there's more. And what does it say? And even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. I love that. I underline it in my Bible. It fell upon all those who were listening to the message. It fell upon all those who were listening to the message. Well, fell on one. Well, yeah, but it's already 12 o'clock, 5 at 12. You know, I got, I got appointments for, you know, I got to eat someplace. We're going to somebody else's house and all that. You know, no, no. It fell upon them who were listening to the message. Maybe sometimes the churches are dead because we're not listening 
to the Word of God that the Word of, that your pastor or leader or whatever has struggled with all week long to hear the voice of God to bring. And it's like we sometimes sit there with number cards. Well, that's a seven. Or that's a nine. Oh, that was a really good one. We'll, we'll even give them a ten. Perfect score. Pastor, just get us a few more of those and we'll be happy. But it says, the Holy Spirit fell upon them who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter. Now, remember I told you there was a bunch of others that came with Peter? And they're all standing around saying, something's not right here. These are Peter's buddies. Okay? They're part of the church at that time in Joppa. How are you doing so far? Okay? And they were all amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. I remember this. I was one of those freaky Jesus people that, you know, that should have never got saved, had hair down here, big goatee, you know, and I walked up and down the streets and telling people about Jesus and every, you know, mainland church says, that guy can't be saved. Because if he was saved, he would cut his hair and he would shave his face and he would change his clothing and he would, he would, he would, he would. And you wouldn't believe how many churches rejected me. But I had the Holy Spirit who came upon me and touched my life. And I knew people needed to hear this good news of Jesus Christ. And so I went up and down the streets and you couldn't shut me up. And now, what is it, 52 years later, you still can't shut me up. And you think it's bad now? It's going to get worse. I'm going to go after this area even if it kills me. I'm not happy anymore of going along with the status quo and say, oh, isn't this nice? Aren't we good Christians? Whatever. And while he spoke, the Holy Spirit fell. And they heard the word. As I said, I have experienced this. What I mean I experienced it, we were down teaching a school in Jamaica, Irene and I. And Irene was teaching on grace righteousness. And back then, Irene was slightly taller than Cohen. <laughs> and they all, just like in, in, in Myanmar, they have little boxes that you've got to stand on so that you're high enough because... All the spiritual pulpits were built for people who were six feet tall. Okay, you know, so that, so they have the pulpit that's too tall, and so they had to build a box behind it for the little people so that people could see them. And then after that, they invented a, a pulpit that you could crank it up and down. We were so smart, so wise. And now we just, use, well, we have a metal hand here, whatever. But she was preaching on this, I'm standing out back, and she's teaching through Romans on grace, righteousness, and the Spirit of God fell. She didn't give an altar call. She didn't do anything. Just the Spirit of God fell. And people started weeping. People started repenting. People started falling on the ground. People started to do all those weird things that we're afraid that if the Spirit of God comes upon us, we may end up doing. Get over it. God's gracious. That's why it's called grace, righteousness. And here they are, they're all over the place. And of course, as a spiritual leader of Project Lambs, 
after this was going on for 10 or 15 minutes, I said, you know, we've got to stop this. I mean, it's great, but Irene's got to finish teaching her course. And if you're just going to lay around the floor and do all this kind of thing. So I did what every good leader would do. I came in and said, maybe we should go for a coffee break and settle them all down. Amen? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Go have something to eat? You know, because now we're starving to death. We worked ourselves all up. Okay? So we went out and had coffee break, and they were still talking and everything. I thought, okay. Whew. Got it all settled down. Irene comes back in, and she gets up in the pulpit, and she begins to speak about grace, righteousness, and the Spirit of God fell again. And this time, it fell on me too. See? As a leader, I also need it. Peter needed it. Okay? And there was a great movement of God. And I believe what needs to happen, and I'm going to say it and say it clearly, that we need a great movement of God in the southeast corner of Manitoba. We need a great movement of God, even in Landmark. And the only way a great movement of God is going to come is by us allowing and asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon whoever he so wills to come upon and and fire them with his presence. Okay? Now you wonder why I'm going back to Myanmar? Because I need to be a long ways away. No, just for what's going to happen. And so there was results. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. And they were revealing that whole area because everybody else was saying, all the people that came along with them, how is it possible that these people could receive the Holy Spirit? Because of grace, righteousness. By the grace of God, unworthiness of God, we can see, receive his righteousness. Why do you call it righteousness? Because only because of Jesus' righteousness can we enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only by having on the breastplate of righteousness. Our righteousness is this filthy rags. And he has to give us his righteousness. It's not going to work in self-righteousness. This is eternal death. It's not going to work in law righteousness. We got churches all over North America and around the world that are doing law righteousness. We got cults. You got the Burmese people who believe in Buddhism. That's law righteousness. And then North America comes along and says, we need the New Age movement. That's just Buddhism retitled. It's amazing how many homes I go to and find little statues of Buddha in their house and everything and in their garden and all these things and say, isn't that nice? No, get rid of it. We're not under the law. We're not under the things that we do. We're under the things that he does through us. It's not by my righteousness or by my works, saith the Lord. It's by his righteousness. That's why he went to the cross to die, to shed his blood. That's why when Peter was coming back and giving the gospel message, all of a sudden these Gentiles who knew nothing what was going on, all of a sudden the Spirit of God was moving upon them because they were catching the vision of what Jesus actually come to do. To bring his grace and his righteousness to set the captive free. And to be a sign of that, this is part most, most Christians in North America don't like, but to be a sign of that, he fills them with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
You wouldn't believe how many churches in the past, in the present, and maybe in the future are fighting over the whole area. Well, what does the Holy Spirit do? Do we believe that the Holy Spirit does this? Does the Holy Spirit still do these gifts? Does the Holy Spirit not do these gifts? And we go on and on and on and on. The Holy Spirit has liberty and the sovereignty and the providence to do whatever he wants. I think so. And that's what they need to get. That's what they needed to see. The Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The gifts of the Holy Spirit was poured out. And they got a new understanding. They, under, they began to understand. And can you imagine all the people in Cornelius' house, they're looking at us, wow, this is real. Like, we didn't understand that our, us Gentiles even stood a chance. We didn't understand that those dirty hippies who were partying and drinking and, and you know, going around with the peace symbol, that the Holy Spirit would fall upon them. And the church wouldn't have a lot to do with us. Well, I don't know. You know, we've been living right all our lives, and we've been living by the law, and we've not had the Holy Spirit fall upon us, so I'm not so sure if that's right. You want to you find something interesting? Some of the biggest churches in the United States are run by pastors who were baptized in the Holy Spirit during the Jesus People movement. That might blow you away, and I just happen to be one of them. But isn't it interesting that what happens, we stop right there. Okay, pastor, that was good. We now know we need to deal with self-righteousness. No, that's why I said, are you on this chair? Because some of you are. Some of you are in law righteousness. Because usually you fold your hands in front of you. And you have the stern look, right? And then you got grace righteousness where some people are just weeping and just praising God, you know. Thank you, Jesus. You know, but that's not the end of the story. (laughs) This blew me away when I was studying it. I need to borrow another chair. Sorry. Now I get to pick on Larry and the rest of the staff, the leadership of the church, because we have the rest of the story. The rest of the story starts in chapter 11 and goes down from 11 to verse. Uh, 18. See, we all stop. Oh, let's praise God. We just need the Holy Spirit. Well, we also need the Holy Spirit in the church and in the leadership of the church, too. I didn't write it. You read it for yourself. Look what it says here. It says, soon the news reached the apostles. Right? Leadership of the church. And other believers in Judah and the Gentiles have received the word of God. You know, some would say, this is amazing. They received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers, what did they do? They praised him. No, it doesn't say that to me. It says they criticized him. The leaders of the church criticized Peter. Peter says, now wait a minute here, church. I also brought along my six buddies who watched what went on. Let's go on. You enter the home. Notice what he did. He broke the law. You, 
You, Peter, you entered the home of the Gentiles and you even ate with them. This is what they said. Sound familiar? Almost like a gossip session. Then Peter told them exactly what happened. I was in the town of Joppa. Don't blame me. I was up on the roof praying. It even says that. And while I was praying, I went into a trance and saw a vision, something like a large sheet, and he goes down. And then he goes on in verse 8. No, Lord, I replied, I never eaten anything that our Jewish law had declared unpure or unclean. So he's now trying to defend himself before the leadership. But now he's got a problem because everybody saw him break the law. It says, but the voice of the heaven had spoken. It tells him about that. Then in verse 11, just these three men, just then three men, he says, come to my house. And then I went back with them. And then the Holy Spirit told me to go with them and not be worried, not to have fear about the Gentiles. And here's where the six brothers show up. The six brothers had accompanied me. And we soon entered the house of the man who had sent for us. And then he told us how an angel, and he goes on and gives the story again, and how he sent a messenger to Joppa and go and, and said to Simon Peter, he will tell you how you and everyone in your household can be saved. Isn't it interesting? It, the, the Holy Spirit, and Peter brings up, Peter brings this up, he will tell you. Well, why didn't the angel or the Holy Spirit tell Cornelius? Because he needed Peter there to tell him. He needs us there to tell him. He needs us. Romans very clear about how shall they hear? How shall they know? Unless someone is sent. Who's the descending? The church. But the church has got to send out not people who are self-righteous or law-righteous. They need to send out people who are grace righteousness. But the church had to deal with itself. Because go on. Look what it says here. And he says, I began to speak to them in verse 15. And Peter continued. And the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as he had also fell on us in the beginning. Then I thought the Lord's word when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now the lights were coming up. Peter's thick head was getting it. Okay? But the rest of the gang weren't. And then it goes on and he says, And he gave the, the Gentiles and the same gifts that he had given us. And, and uh, we believed in the Lord Jesus who was, and who was I to stand in God's way? I love that. I underlined that too. You can see I underlined a lot of things in my Bible. Because I didn't, I've been reading this word every day for the last two weeks because I knew I was going to preach it here. And I just kept, I, I want this thing to, I want it to become part of my life. And so I just keep reading it, reading it over and over again. Who am I to stand in the way of God? In verse 18, and when others, when the others, the leadership, and all those who were, you know, objecting, notice that, that they stopped objecting and they began to praise God. And they said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege, the privilege of repenting. What an interesting statement. The privilege of repenting? It's a privilege to repent. Isn't that amazing? You know, you get to repent. It's a gift of God. It's a privilege to repent. Why? Because why is such a privilege? We get to be part of the kingdom of heaven. 
a privilege to repent of their sins and receive eternal life. You know, the church leadership was not happy with Peter. The circumcised bunch, the people that had all the rules and regulations. Oh, am I going to come after a bunch of you guys? Be warned. You're on my horizon. I know who you are. Some of you don't like what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not, I'm, hey, I've got nothing to lose. You know, another couple weeks I will be 70, and according to the rules and regulations, I, I won't probably make it longer after that, so I'm going to stir up all the trouble I can stir up, and then I'm going to wave goodbye to everybody and say, deal with it. Because John, he says that, but John taught that they said, yeah, some are going to get baptized with the water, but also there is those who are going to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it isn't interesting. Do you believe that this is true? Do we believe that God still? I have so many Christians that I used to be pastor with and uh, who walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I say, well, how's it going with you and the Holy Spirit? Do you still walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? You know what their famous words are for many of them in the Steinbach? In the Steinbach area? Been there, done that. You know what I want to do as soon as they say that? Get out of here because lightning is coming down. To say that you've been there, done that, with the power of the Holy Spirit, that you have walked through that, and now you're on to greater things? My, my. Never open up an office in a mall. You hear all kinds of weird things. And you know what I'm finding myself doing now is to lay hands on, pray, on people again and pray that the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit will come back to them. And that their first love will come back and empower them from deep within to out again. The churches have fallen asleep because they have denied the power of the Holy Spirit. You all know what I'm talking about. Come on now. And what needs to change is confession. What needs to change to realize that we have the privilege to repent of where we have come from and where we have gone to. I know of nothing else that can break the chains and cords and ropes of the enemy other than the power of the Holy Spirit. As leadership, and I don't know about the leadership of the church here. I know Larry personally and his wife, and they've been nice to me. They feed me every once in a while and put up with me and invite me back to the church. So blame them. But the thing is, they got a chair too. You guys that are elders and deacons, you got a chair too. What's your responsibility? Help people out of self-righteousness. Make sure they're not walking in law righteousness and they're walking in the power of grace righteousness under Jesus Christ who empowers them, who baptizes them and anoints them and will use them for his glory. That's your job. And the early church got that. I was reading in a commentary. This was a, 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 a tremendous moment. That there, there was a moment that the church could have gone the wrong way right here. They could have said, no, Peter, we're not with this. This, is a, this. this belongs to us. Jesus was a Jew. This is us. There's no way, no way, no way. And it was a pivotal moment. 
But after this witness, after this testimony, after the witnesses of the other six that were there, you know, everything that Peter was saying, well, you know what they were doing? They were good, you know, Baptists. Shaking their head, yep, that's what happened. Yep, that's what happened. We saw it all. Yep, that's what happened. Yep, that's what happened. But what needs to be happening in our churches, in my life, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how else to say it. I don't know how else to slice it. When it comes to church missions, we need to break down and we need to take the power, break the bondage and take the power of the Holy Spirit to set the captive free. We knit, I put down here just in handwriting before I went to bed last night. We need to get back to getting people saved and get back to getting people filled with the Holy Spirit. And it will not take place very often inside of the four walls. This is a place for discipleship, equipping, building up of the saints. Fishing You fish, right? Why don't you bring your boat and everything inside here? Why don't you bring all your equipment? I would like to see that. In fact, I would enjoy sitting there watching that. <laughs> and I would say to the leader, like, there's something wrong with this guy. Why is he here Sunday with this? I know a lot of people take their boat and park it outside and wait till after the Sunday service and then go to the lake. But you would never bring it inside. Well, I shouldn't say never because it's a weird thing. But we do it as a church. We bring the farming equipment inside. We bring the fishing boat inside. You know, we plow up the land inside. We do it all inside. Well, it's time now to get out into the highways and byways. And it's time now for me to be quiet. Let's close in prayer. Father, we just ask right now, Lord, we got these three chairs, actually four. And Lord, we're asking that your Holy Spirit would reveal, Lord, that, that you, through the power of your word, you took Cornelius from this chair. You took Peter from this chair. And Lord, you put him in to this chair. Then you took the leadership of the church, Lord, and you moved him from that chair up to join in unity and harmony in this chair. Oh, Father, let that be the prayer of our hearts. Let the power of the Holy Spirit speak to us. Thank you, Lord, for this church, Lord. I, I have walked with them right from the very beginning. I know their history. I know their journey. I know their heartaches, the pains, and their hopes and dreams. But, Father, I know it's still all got to be based on grace, righteousness. And so, Father, I thank you for the opportunity. And I pray now that maybe as some are here, maybe you don't even know Jesus as Lord and Savior and say, yeah, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to move from self-righteousness, from law righteousness, and I want to walk in the power of grace righteousness. Is that your prayer today? Pray for me today. Father, I just pray for every man, woman, and child here now. And Lord, that you will touch them, that you will use them as you, as you have touched my heart and help me not to forget this truth. Help this not to be a sermon, Lord, that I just take home and say, well, that was nice for this week and move on. Lord, it's a sermon that needs to be shared all around the world. And so, Father, we give you all the glory now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.